Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright 929 espn Dennis Fuller's producing the program for us. We're glad that he is with us. Sitting across from me is the Commercial Appeals lead sports columnist, the lead sports columnist, the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnist in the state of Tennessee, barely. Tied for eighth best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter at MGNato. Mark, good day, sir. Jeffrey, this was supposed to be a productive weekend for me because it was like no, nothing was on. Like there was nothing, nothing sports related. That you needed to watch this weekend. Would you agree? Like, you could have watched sports, yes. but you didn't need yeah, to yeah, watch yeah. sports. Yes. Like, if there was a time, if there's a time and place on the calendar where, like, you know, you could score some points with your wife or girlfriend, like, this is a weekend to do it. This felt like one of those weekends where sports at best was in the background. Yes. So, how did I spend my Sunday, Jeffrey? Well, first, tell everyone how you spent your Saturday by ruining what could have been one of the best concerts I've ever been to in Memphis. Instead, the freaking C-suite up in the front of Matchbox 20 just killed everybody's vibe. So Rob I, Thomas and the boys, they were sweating through their shirts. Yeah, they, they put were on leaving. a show. They're, they put on a they're good in show. their 50s and they're running around. We still got Rob Thomas doing the mic stand tricks and he's elite at that. Like It was just leaving it all out there. And then you had the freaking Catalina wine mixer in front and just you're blaming everybody's me vibe. And not, you're well, because you're the only person format. I know that was up there. I knew a lot of people that were up. There were several, you know, a lot of people up there. You're the only person I talked to that was up there. Ron and Karen were up there. Ron was slinging merch <laughs> and paintings. Um, Ron, it was a work day for Ron. They put it didn't seem to affect the quality of the show. It killed. I'm telling you, it killed the vibe. It killed the vibe. Yes. Well, that I, they maybe they need to change the format there at Live the Garden. I had a good time. There's no way that'll change. No. <laughs> no. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess the revenue distribution of that yeah. little section versus yeah. the rest. Yeah. Probably three to one, maybe four to well, one. Well, it's all businesses. It's like businesses no, I, entertain I, their clients I said on Twitter, it, it was U.S. Open at LACC vibes. Mm. Like, you had these guys putting on a magical performance. They're hitting holding ones. They're just lighting ah. up the scoreboard. Oh, they were lighting it up. They were good. We were getting them in mid-tour form. You know, Correct. like you don't want them at the beginning of the tour and you don't want them at the end. You Correct. want them in the middle. Correct. They've really, they've worked out all the kinks. They're in a rhythm, but it, they haven't been on the road so long that they, they badly want had, to get home. They even had a bass player fill in because their actual bass player like had a Jordan flu game. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, Matt Nathanson also set the tone too. Like, right off the bat, like, he came out. I didn't even you, know who he was till that show. Yeah, you knew that one song. I knew the song, yeah. yeah no, when, when someone was like, oh, someone was like, yeah, he had this song 12 years ago or 13 years ago, mm-hmm. and then I heard it. I was like, oh, yeah. Come I on, get out yeah. Yeah. No, so. Matt Nathanson could be best described as, you just close your eyes, you're like, this guy's on Scrubs a lot. <laughs> uh, well, then Sunday, my dog decided to get in a scrap with a raccoon in our backyard. Is it? It's kind of unbelievable. Um, to watch it all play out, and then so I was give stuck me, in an animal hospital for four hours. Because how did 
I've got think, so many questions. Yeah, so Didn't was, you have a raccoon problem in the attic once? No, it ended up being it, that ended up being a mouse. Okay, uh, but not wasn't a there suspicion of of well, you of know, coon activity, if you will? There, there was some overreaction, yes. some uh, some pitter patter up okay. there. Um, Is that coming from the missus? There I, allegedly. I, I neither do, I neither confirm nor deny that uh, that suggestion or that question, um, but. The reality is uh, there was a raccoon in our backyard, and our dog, you know, to her credit, was defending the household. I, that's that's my assumption. I didn't actually see it. My wife saw it. Um, but she got, like, scr- she, like, we left her at home for a couple hours to go do something, and when we came back, she wasn't putting any, like, any weight on her front paw. So I had to, you know, I t- and she had, like, a, like, I don't, the, the vet said it, she thought it was a bite mark, but I, it seemed more like a scratch mark, but on her on her paw. So like, you know, she got into it with a raccoon. And so I had to go but to the emergency fairness, hospital in fairness, Veter- animal hospital, in fairness to Southern. We don't know what the raccoon looked like. No, exactly. I, yeah. I assume. Yes. Well, well battered yeah. and bruised. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. It left the yard. Hasn't come back. Yeah. So after, well, it five hours, lesson. five hours later, you were certainly, man, I, Southern, you better beat the crap yeah. out of that thing. Like if <laughs> yes, this, I'm going to waste exactly my whole right. freaking day. That's exactly right. Now she's, she's, she's on the mend. Uh, but that's, you know, again, I guess that's how I spent that's how I spent my bonus non-sports weekend. You know, that was like uh that's just how it goes. Today was the day that it really set in. Like this weekend was probably an indicator to your point like well, let's see, we've got a winner take all college world series game tonight. Yeah, that'll be interesting. And Saturday night's game allegedly was a great game. Mm-hmm. You and I were at Matchbox 20, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um yesterday was a horrific baseball game. Mm-hmm. It was 24 to 4. Yeah. And so now we've got a winner-take-all situation. But it was really starting to crystallize because this week we have legal tampering starting on Friday, right? Yes. It's it's the open of the negotiation period. Correct. And you realize today when you were were perusing the internet, you're like, oh, yeah, it's this week. It's it's that week where... I got a lot of stuff's going to get thrown against the wall. And it's, it's our job to sift through it, Jeffrey. Yes. It's overreaction Monday. Oh, boy. We're going to dive into that, the latest in the John Morant Some lawsuit. Some would argue some of the stories that we're even reacting to might be overreactions, <laughs> given the nature of everything. <laughs> it's perfect. Uh, 240 or so, Jason Munns, the Tiger basketball beat writer for the Commercial Appeal, will join us. We'll talk to him about uh, Javon Quinterly, the uh, Alabama point guard who entered the transfer portal last night, I believe, and quickly the rumblings suggested Memphis will very much be in the mix, maybe even the favorite to land him. Uh, we'll get Munz's thoughts on that later this hour, 3 o'clock or so. We will get into the list, um, and then uh, we'll talk, we're going to talk plenty of free agents. we got a lot to talk about, even though it's a slow period because, you know, you can always speculate well, about always, NBA free agency. And you can always just perhaps hang your hat on a little conference realignment. Yeah, that's true. It's the week the AAC mm. transforms, Jeffrey. They get the, they get the they now is when they get to feel the effects of that Hispanic market in San Antonio that UTSA has captured so well. I just think about the scene in the dark night at the beginning when Scarecrow shows up again. I said my thing would take you places. I never said they were where you want to go. The AC transforming. Never said it'd be places you want to transform to, but it is going to transform nonetheless. Yes. Uh, this is the week six new teams come in and three leave, and uh, USC and UCLA go to the Big Ten. So uh, we'll dive into that next hour as well. But let's, we also got to talk about West Virginia. The uh, the basketball search? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's a search. It seems like they punted. Yeah, it seems like they couldn't get who they wanted. Yeah. So, um, yeah, lots to get to. All right, let's start, though. Let's start with the latest on John Morant. So, um, on Friday, or excuse me, Thursday, um, the latest court filings in his lawsuit were filed, and they were transcripts of depositions conducted with Devontae Pack, who we now, you know, we know, is now part of the vernacular in Memphis sports. Right when you say like he's now a he's a Memphis sports character at this point, even though it's not not in the greatest, not on the greatest of terms, but he's I, just like in the vernacular now. He's like, he's like someone I, you know. I think it's fair to say if you're deep in you, the scene, you may not know his name, but then you go, you know, the friend who's always involved with John Moran. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I see that would be an interesting question. What percentage 
Because Memphis is also a weird place in that our casual st- sports fans are still, like, if you put them on the nationwide scale, a casual Memphis sports fan, I think, is still a bigger sports fan than the national average. Mm-hmm. But what percentage of casuals do you think know who Devontae Pack is? Probably not that many. Not a, not yet. Like, if we would have walked around on Saturday night and said, do you know who Devontae Pack is? What do you, What kind of numbers do you think we would have done? Where on Saturday? At oh, the, at the match match tournament? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say 15% of the people you talk to. Okay. Right? Something like that. I was thinking a little more, but I, I don't have a great sense one way or the other. I bet you it would be like more like 30 40% if you went, you know, the guy who was holding the camera, his friend, you know, that guy. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, probably, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. if you say Devontae, yeah, that's probably fair. You know, like if you be- explain, yeah, if you, I think if you offer the follow-up, you'd probably get, yeah, about a third, a fourth, something like that. So we got a deposition from him. The transcript of it was conducted last month. A deposition from Mike Miller, uh, who was at the pickup basketball game that day a year ago, and or almost a year ago, uh, 11 months ago. And then Trey Draper, the former Memphis basketball player and part of uh, uh, John Morant's training group, uh, the group that trains him. So um, we got... There's depositions filed for all three of them, and here's my overreaction because I've read through, um, I've read through most of it, and um, it was interesting. I guess like there wasn't that much new revealed in terms of the actual incident. Like if anything, Devonte Pack, Mike Miller, and Trey Draper's stories lined up with what John. John Morant's, seemed, yeah, I agree. John Morant's version. There of seemed events. to be consistency. There was not like yeah. it didn't seem to be some new revelation, you know, that we didn't know about the circumstances of the altercation, at least from Jaw's perspective. You know, like they, um, but having read through it, it's like one. I, I've said this from the get go. I, I I feel this this case feels this lawsuit feels ridiculous to me and doesn't feel worthy of a lawsuit. Um, but I would whatever. I'm going to let the legal system determine that ultimately. That's just a, you know, an opinion, if you will, a perception opinion. It's not rooted in any sort of legal uh, background, if you will, other than my father was an attorney. Um, Which makes you extremely well qualified. I don't know about that. Uh, But you have the most legal experience on this show. We've heard these rumblings of, at various points, like, you know, Ja feels like, you know, he should have gotten a better shake from the media. He feels like maybe people are out to get him. I don't know. Remember, I said I don't know if I believe. I, I certainly don't believe Ja wanted that out there publicly, that he's thinking that. He may think that. I, it seems entirely plausible at one point, especially. I think I said this last week. feels like it's at some point along the way, he probably felt that way. It's yeah. accurate. Do I think he feels that way right now? I, I don't know. But... The only real example of like, you know, someone's out to get him, it's this lawsuit. Yeah, this I'd is agree the, with you. Th- this is where I think he can look at it and go, like, people are out to get me, and because that's what it feels like here. <laughs> it feel uh, if you read through this transcript, I, especially Mike Miller's. I just read through it. I finished it before the show, and he was just like a guy who was there at a pickup game. He lives near the Morant where the Morants lived at the time, and. And he went to this pickup game. He said there was like 10 games. This was like the last game of the day. And it was a fight over a check ball. Literally. If we boil it down to it, it was a fight over a check ball. And as Mike explains to them, he goes, like, you know, like they were asking him all these details. He goes, I wasn't really thinking about it as some serious event. It was a check ball fight. You see it all the time in basketball. You know, in those situations, you just try to get everyone separated and de-escalated it. And it was luckily, it was the end of the run, so everyone just went their separate way. You know, like he's like, I didn't really think that much of it in the moment, to be to be honest with you, because it was just like a lot of things I've seen. Um, and I just, you're reading through it and you're going, I cannot believe Mike Miller had to sit there. He had to literally at one point in this deposition had to explain the mechanics of a check ball, Jeffrey. Yeah. I, like I can't believe like Mike Miller had to waste his time doing this crap. You know, and like it just feels, the whole thing feels like ridiculous. So like, and, like, it's, you know, it's newsworthy because someone's suing John. I don't know what to make of it in terms of, like, part of you's like, John, just get rid of this. You don't want this, you know, every step of the way of this lawsuit. 
all these details, you know, because what happens is this is a lawsuit about um, about the fight. But what ends up happening is that various like, a lot of these details you may or may not want to be public record end up emerging because of it, unrelated right. to the actual incident. So parties like that, but the other party is like looking at this and going, I cannot believe he's getting sued over a check ball fight. Yeah, I don't know. I guess the way that I viewed it as I felt like when we got the big Washington Post feature, if you will, mm-hmm. that included Holloway and his mother and the attorney, mm-hmm. I felt like then, I was like, this feels like a shakedown. Mm. I have seen nothing that makes me feel differently. The only hesitation that I have is it must have some merit because otherwise I feel like it would have been dismissed at this point. Because yeah, I they, believe they tried to get it dismissed. Right, they've already. tried to get it dismissed, and it has not been dismissed yet. No, I don't believe Correct? So. I don't believe so. So that's the only thing that gives me hesitation, but I, I'm with you. When you read through the deposition, you even get the the comment from Holloway's lawyer of always referring to it as an assault. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, my God, this feels like just such like this just like it reads like a it just reads like a shakedown. Like, that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, listen, he has and he has a different version of events than the one being presented. And and the other I guess the other interesting part of this deposition in terms of inadvertent stuff that gets revealed amongst all this. We heard a little more about Devontae Pack through the, you know, because yeah. um, in terms of his relate, the depth of his relationship with John Morant, that they've essentially he's been a he, member of the he family. He says he's been living, yeah, living with the Morants basically since he was eight or nine. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it does shed some light on how, you know, like the way Ja has treated him, you know, in terms of like how loyal he has been to him. Yeah. And I mean, I guess I understand that from a certain degree, like, mm-hmm. but I guess the way that I would look at it is people only started calling for Ja to, like, cut out the excess mm-hmm. when the excess started being problems. And that's always been my whole deal. It's like, if you're in that position and Devontae's deposition clearly shows, like, you know, I don't know where the bills come. I don't know. I don't see the bills. I don't pay for them. He's got the the brand, which seems like a lot of it was getting Ja to show up at clubs and stuff. I just kind of view it like this. Like, I don't, I'm not saying you've got to cut a lifelong friend out, but you got to get a, you got to get him in line. No, it, it, I've always said the, the, you, the goal here is not to cut people out of his life. It's to figure out how to live your life. Correct. With those people. Right. Whether it's in a lesser role or them, as you put it, falling in line or whatever. But you don't, like, I, I'd hate to see him, like, cut someone out who's, you know, he's lived, you know, has lived sure. it since yes. he's eight or nine. Like, I, I don't want to, I don't think that is the happy ending here. There's some sort of medium uh, that you can, that you can meet, some sort of median um, that you can meet at. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But I just every new t- every time new details come out of this lawsuit, I'm just like, this is such a like a bunch of pe- a bunch of you know who's the only people who are benefiting from this are the, the lawyers, uh, the lawyers involved with it, getting paid all these billable hours for just a nonsense case, <laughs> like just a nonsense case. But like I don't like at the same time, like I guess you can say Ja left himself open for something like this in terms of just putting yourself in that position, but I still don't, I think two things can be true in that, like, I think it's a ridiculous lawsuit at the same time. It's like, I don't necessarily feel sorry for Ja, but I do think this is one instance where you can feel like if I'm Ja Morant, I'm feeling like that. Well, like what the hell, you know, like what the hell? Yeah. I think that's probably fair. Like if, if you want to feel sorry for yourself and feel like everybody's picking on you, this would be a case in that, in if you're if you're trying to make the list of examples that support your point, this would go into that. Yeah. So, yeah, inter- interesting stuff. It'll be you know the court the case like if this thing goes to trial, Jeffrey, it's not till like next April. Like technically, if he doesn't get this thing resolved, like next year's playoffs, he could be going through this. Now, I would expect they'll figure out a way around that somehow. You know, you know, it's just like a random date the judge set. I don't, and I don't think 
frankly, anyone is necessarily thinking they're going to get to that date when well, all said and done. Like, is this really going to get to Does that anyone know? What, what are the odds of this going to trial? I, I think it all it depends on how like persistent Joshua Holloway and his family are. I think that's what ultimately it comes down to. I think if they keep pushing, they could you know if they're not willing to you know. And I guess it, it involves you know like there was mediation at the beginning of this. They tried to come to a settlement yeah. at one point and didn't. And if you listen to Jaws' side, it's because they were asking for like an outlandish amount of money. You know, not like we're not talking a million dollars here to go, you know, like, like no, it was like 15 yeah, million, 15 million yeah. dollars, something like that is the number I think that was thrown around. And uh, it's just, it's all like very, it, uh, I, this is the one thing like I, I'm, I'm, I've, I've been tough on job, if you will, on a lot of things. This is one where I'm just like, this, this kind of stinks. Like they, you know, I, I hope this gets figured out here. Before the season starts, I, I don't want to. This thing shouldn't be keep keep going for another six months. It'll if it it's already we've already been at what it started in September. I think technically is when the lawsuit was filed. Like we're we're going on almost a year now, nine months of this thing, and like I don't know if I'm John Moran, I don't want this to continue to be an issue because like you know what? Here's the truth. If Devonte Pack was uh was subpoena or uh, was deposed. You know it's going to get deposed in this? John Morant. John Morant's going to get deposed in yes. this. Yes. You know, like, I, I don't know. If I'm John Morant, do I want to sit through? Maybe he's already been deposed. I don't know. This, this Some of this stuff happened in the last two, three weeks. Um, so, uh, I, I don't know. It's just a bad situation all around. I think it's a crummy look. Like a, I don't like the lawsuit, if you will. You know, like, I just don't. I think it's like, it's a check ball. It's a check ball fight. All right? Happens in basketball sometimes. Tempers got a little... You know, whatever. It's like you said, it's also it was a summer day. It's the end of the day. You know, it's hot. Like it, like this should have been Ja pays for the kids' medical bills and maybe gives them some, you know, gives them an autographed jersey or something and call it a day. Yeah, like, whatever. Know. You know, like I, I don't know. It also feels like one of those ones where we how many do we know? Do you have the number in front of you? How many lawsuits has? Holloway's mother filed. I don't know. It's, it's like a couple like in the twenties. A couple, like one against the school system, and one. Against, it's like, and it's yeah. It I, just I felt don't know like, exactly what the number is. I know there's a. Few, it's not sixty. It's a few. It, there's, no, I but, said twenty. Oh, there's I like said, a. Ba- she has a background of filing lawsuits. I think it's She's like done close, this before. I think it's close to twenty, and it's. This feels exactly like. Kid comes home, tells a little, probably a, a softer version of events that makes him look a little bit more innocent, and then all of a sudden we're off to the races. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just, I, I don't know. <laughs> Josh shouldn't have done it, though. It's still stupid to punch a 17-year-old like that when you're like an NBA superstar. Yeah, I mean, I— Like, it's I, still dumb. I agree with that. Also, it's like, I of all the things to, like, hold against him, this one to me is, no. like, not on the list. Yeah, I think that's that's right. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens as this uh, as this case progresses. If I'm Ja, I'm trying to figure out any way possible to. Any other overreactions from what you've been reading today? Uh, well, you know, you know what I found. Kind of, so I'm sitting in this animal hospital for four or five hours. What are you doing when you're sitting? You know, like I'm sitting in a you're room scrolling Twitter. Yeah, like you know, watching you know watching a show here or there, but you know, trying to conserve battery. I didn't have, I, I didn't come prepared for that long of a wait. But you're scrolling through Twitter, and, like, the for you thing is good and bad. I, I, I don't I, I even very, look at it. I have very mixed emotions about it because I do feel I see tweets that I'm interested in that I wouldn't otherwise see. But I also see a lot of tweets that, like, I wish I didn't see. And among them is, like, the – I don't know how to put this without – I hope it doesn't come off as condescending because it's not supposed to be. Like, the notable Memphis Grizzlies Twitter – Users like people who really like big the big fans on Twitter, if you will, the super fan, fans. Yeah, well, the, not even that. It's like the fans who have significant followings, followings on okay. Twitter and and what have you. And like, I don't. I'm not saying their opinions are wrong, but like, I just don't want to see them. You know, like as much as I did. It, it, like in terms of like this debate over like like the hypotheticals, if you will. Like the there was this hypothetical of would the Grizzlies. Release jo- John Conchar, Kenneth Lofton Jr. It's oh like, yeah, okay, that one. It's like right. they're not gonna they're not gonna release those guys, and it's like 
well, who, you know, what? this is what they can do to go get a big, this is, this is a big name they could go get. Like, this is who we could fill that open roster spot with. And it's like, he did say directly, like, like he made it very clear, like, Marcus Smart is going to be, like, the big move Zach Kleiman did. And my overreaction would be, like, eh, like, maybe it's, like, as simple as it looks, you know, with the, with the Grizzlies. Like, I think, I think they made their move. They made it right the day before the draft. At the last moment, when a trade fell through, they, like, jumped on Mark, the Marcus Smart possibility. Like, it felt like one of those trades, and I... That like was available in the moment because the Celtics were kind of frustrated that they didn't get their original deal through, and if you had waited on it another day, they might have rethought it. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't. I think they just decided we want Kristaps Porzingis. We almost had him. We need to figure out a way to get him because we thought we had him. So they just, you know, they, you know, and they went back to the Grizzlies, who they obviously had, had preliminary discussions with about Smart. Yeah, I because it's very clear they would rather have gotten rid of Brogdon than Smart. That's why they offered Brogdon at first. Yes, and then the physical stuff. Yes, didn't and, and that fell through. Yeah, I'm with you because for you to believe that there's going to be another big move, to me that that means that you have to accept the fact that you think Zach Kleiman's bluffing when he said when he's basically saying like he like, said several like I think he said it. Twice on the mic, and then as he was walking out, when someone was like chit chatting with him, like he said it again, like essentially, like I think that was our, you know, like that's probably, you know, like you're not going to see anything. I forget the word he used. Some it wasn't like, but it, it translated to essentially, you're not going to see anything like gigantic happen from here. Like we obviously have an open roster spot, but I don't anticipate us making some big trade, you know, or big sign and trade necessarily. I mean, to me, the only way something big happens is if something else unexpected comes up, yeah. much like the Marcus Smart situation in which, you know, if Brogdon's physicals pass, Marcus Smart's not on the Grizzlies. Yeah. And it goes to, I thought it was interesting to hear, to see Mark, Mark Stein report over the weekend, kind of backing up that report you saw about from Woj that the Grizzlies could be a contender for Draymond Green, you had Mark Stein backing up going they were going to make they were going to make a run at Draymond Green was what he reported this weekend if they hadn't gotten Marcus Smart. And to hear two different like pretty notable NBA yeah. insiders talk like it's not we're not talking like you know random NBA the yeah. NBA central stuff like Stein and and Woj are pretty you know, as good as it, as good as you can get in terms of this stuff and that was uh that was interesting in terms of um, like if they didn't make the smart move, that was going to be, then you would be talking about, oh, maybe they make a sign and trade here. Yeah, I think the question becomes, and this is something to explore throughout the week, but the question becomes, is there going to be someone that's available like one year on the mid-level exception? Mm-hmm. Your version of Bruce Brown. Right. A pro- you know, maybe, like, is there a prove-it guy out there yeah. who's willing to take the one-year deal on a contender-type team mm-hmm. and see... But beyond that, it feels like unless something unexpected happens, this is more or less what we're kind of going with because I'm with you. I would I would be very surprised unless we saw something significant develop. I'd be very surprised if the Grizzlies like try to cut guys that are just on their roster. Yes. I I he said, you know, we're pretty happy with this group. Yeah, that's what he said. That's the way he phrased it. And I didn't take that to mean like we're content with like, you know, we think we have the a championship built roster right now. I took it to mean, you know, there's not anyone we're looking to burn here. You know, like it's not to say like John Conchar or whoever is not available in a trade. Certainly they probably were if the right trade came about. But I think in terms of him reading the situation from the Grizzlies perspective, they don't want to sign someone to multiple years, I don't think, right now, given their cap situation. And that seems to be the indication. And now, I mean, I guess, I the guess question- a sign and trade involving Dylan could happen, but you, people do realize that would also, unless you're willing to go over the second apron of the luxury tax, trading Dylan Brooks and getting something meaningful back also means trading a, a couple other things on your roster. Like you'd have to, you know, you'd have to get rid of more salary. Yeah. I mean, to me. And like, you know, how many, maybe. Like, but again, we get into the, 
You know, like Tyus felt desirable to a certain extent as an expiring contract and a guy who could play as a starting point guard. Yeah. Probably on a bad team, the Wizards. Yes. But a starting point guard nonetheless. Like, how many guys right now left on the roster other than your top three are really great assets at significant salary that, you know, it's like Steven Adams maybe. But, like, do you really want to get rid of Steven Adams? Like, is that, I, I don't know, is that, you know, Cutting your knee to spite your face or whatever the saying is. I, I don't know. Cut your nose to spite Cutting your face. Cutting your nose to spite your face. Um, it, it's a complicated decision tree, if you will. Because, like, you can, yeah, it'd be great if you could just, like, you know, do a sign-and-trade with, like, Conchar and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't even know who else. Like, some little Sal, you know, those guys at the end of the rotation and get, you know, someone big back in a sign-and-trade. You know, get Harrison Barnes back in a sign-and-trade. But, like, that just sounds... I don't know. It sounds unrealistic. I don't know. I, I think the more you game it out, the more you realize the big move was getting the big move was getting Marcus Smart. Yes, they probably had different vision, you know, other ways to use that. But that's to me like that's the simplest answer. And you know, Harrington has Harrington's laid out a uh, a scenario in which like the Grizzlies could get involved to get a trade exception back. Okay, I can see that, but, like, I still don't think that that's – I don't think that that's necessarily, like, trying to posture to make an, uh, a, another big move. Like, it seems like, to me, they're probably going to add another player. Like, mm-hmm. they've got an open roster spot. I suspect that they're going to go to training camp with 15 players. But it it no. – I, I think if you were someone that had visions of they were going to do a bunch with this mid-level exception – I, I didn't get that vibe. Well, I don't know. If, I I think they can add someone meaningful. Sure, but it's going to be like more of a short term. Yeah, it's gonna. Yeah, it's gonna be like an under the radar signing. You know, it's gonna. It's uh, they can still get the roster better. Like now, here's what I'm curious about. What do you What do you get with that last roster spot? What positionally are you? You know, you have a lot of wings, but you don't have a lot of wings that you like know you can count on. To be quite honest, I know you're going to play Marcus Smart at the wing, especially when Ja comes back, I would suspect. you know, Or at least in that three spot, and defensively, he'll serve as almost like a wing, I think. But, you know, you got, are you just, you're just banking on, you know, you've got Zaire, Jake LaRavia, David Roddy. One of those guys will figure it out. Yeah. To, I, to the extent if you can use him as your backup wing. I mean, honestly, for me, it becomes a situation of what's available. Mm-hmm. I'm in the position right now. Where if I'm looking to add something, I'm looking to add someone that I think would help me in the playoffs. And I don't particularly care if it's a certain fit. Because like, mm-hmm. you can look at it right now. I mean, the Grizzlies are going into the season realistically with three primary bigs. Yeah, you could use a big. Correct. Yeah. Now, I mean, we've talked about it. Santi can still kind of count. But at the same time, like I don't love when Santi's defending in the post. Yeah, I like him as a four offensively. Yes, I don't like him as a Correct. four defensively. I, yes, he's as a, yeah a stretch four offensively, but defensively that's that's not exactly what I'm mm-hmm. looking for. And so if you wanted to add another uh, another quality big, like I'm not ruling that out, but I think you know if I'm prioritizing something, I'm looking for someone that can make shots. I mean, I, I've been pretty consistent all summer. Like that's mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm looking to add something to get me over the hump. Particularly also when you consider the Grizzlies' big move, I feel like their big move helped them more defensively. Like, I mm-hmm. felt more of a defensive-minded move yeah. than offensive-minded, which is fine. Like, the more the more time has gone on, like, I liked I liked the deal in the beginning. I really like it now. Who would you rather have in a playoff series, Dylan Brooks and Tyus Jones or Marcus Smart? I, I think I'd rather have Marcus Smart right now. I've seen what Dylan Brooks and Tyus Jones look like in a playoff series for the Grizzlies. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. The unknown is more appetizing. I mean, honestly, the biggest concern that I have with Marcus Smart is, like, is it just A-OK health-wise? Yeah. No, That's I, it. Can, is, he, is he healthy and is he going to stay I, healthy? I think he adds a lot. All right, let's turn our attention to the Tigers because we have 
More recruiting news, and it's now free agency still open in college yeah, free, basketball. Well, free agency never closes in college <laughs> basketball, so we've we got to get into some names that have popped up over the weekend. We'll do that with Muns next, right here on Giannotto and Jeffrey, ninety two nine FM. Yes. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Giannotto and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network. Only from Xfinity. The Giannotto and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. Jason Munns is the Tiger basketball beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. You can follow him on Twitter at Munsley. Joins us each and every Monday on the program. Munns, what are we listening to? Green Day, Jeffrey. Yeah, you know, we only play one Green Day show, song yeah. on this show. It's in the open. Yeah, and it's... All right. I don't think we've ever played another Green Day song on this show other than Welcome to Paradise. We're just continuing the tradition. I think most people on the station, they don't like their their theme I, song. I like that theme song. Well, I don't. Oh. Blink, blink and Green Day. You, everyone's like, oh, you must you must love Green they Day. They together once. No. Yeah, the, yeah, the Family Values Tour. Yeah. Um, well, that's a, that's, a good, that's a good Green Day song. I like Green Day. First album I ever bought was Dookie. So happy for you. Yeah. Um, Why are we listening to... Green Day? I don't know. Just Why not? Uh, yeah. Armitage Shanks, it's off their third album. I guess their second major label. If Dookie is their, is their major label debut, then this would be their second major label album. Uh, Insomniac. It's, uh, it's, it's underappreciated, that album. And, and so that's why I was, uh, I don't know. I was just going to, just going to, uh, just wanted to hear it. Well, that's that's the beauty of this segment for you. You get to do that. Yeah, you get you get some there freedom there. All right, Munz, the big news, sort of news. I don't know if it's news yet, but uh, the rumblings. Um, we're getting some late transfer portal guys, and I think if there's any sort of lesson from this year in college basketball is like, you know, just because someone just because there's a list of people available in April and May doesn't mean that's necessarily you know like there can be more guys that can trickle out. Here we are, June twenty sixth. You know, Javon Quinterly decides he's going to leave Alabama. Um, and so, and now the scuttlebutt is that, you know, certain not, it doesn't feel like it's just one of those things where there's a tweet sent out and, oh, Memphis contacted this guy. There seem to be stronger rumblings, not behind the Javon Quinterly thing, um, that, you know, perhaps Memphis is the favorite to land him out of the transfer portal. But what do you make of it? Uh, what do you make of, uh, I guess, how the transfer portal is continuing to play out and Javon Quinterly uh, specifically and his uh, chances of winding up at Memphis? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, I, I don't think that there's I – don't, I, don't, I don't think that um, the, the uh, rumblings are unfounded. Uh, that's, that's my uh, understanding in, in, in uh, doing some research and reporting it. it I, I believe those – uh, those rumblings to be well-founded and, you know, not done by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Miami and Auburn are also in the mix, uh, reportedly in the mix. Oh so I, I, Two I heavy hitters yeah. in NIL. 
Well, Yo, one one big heavy hitter. Who? Yeah, Miami. Miami's Miami. more of a heavy yeah, hitter. Yeah, but Bruce Pearl's been pretty good at it too. Sure, but yeah, no. So more like, under the table world. He's he's not even as effective in the in the above board <laughs> world. It's definitely not to the finish line yet. Uh, in other words, but um, I, I would say if there is a leader in the clubhouse today, then it's, then it's Memphis. But uh, going back to your original point, uh, to, to what you were saying a second ago about the uh, about you know what this year has shown us. I mean, yes, it's it's this year and it's just the way the natural sort of uh, 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 progression of things with the transfer portal and this and that. But here's the deal. Uh, Like having, having seasoned veterans, seasoned veterans who are very good at recruiting on your coaching staff really, really, really helps. And uh, and I'm speaking specifically about Rick Stansberry. Like, just here's here's this is just based on some conversations that I've had. This part, what I'm about to say, has been made abundantly clear to me. And it, and, it, and it wasn't as if it wasn't clear already. I mean, anybody who was paying attention to the way things shook out at the end of last off season with Emmanuel Acott, like this should not come as a surprise to you, but. It does. It simply does not matter if, like, just because somebody is not in the transfer portal anymore, like if they went into the transfer portal and they committed to another school, um, they may even be on another school's campus, it simply does not matter. Like, it, the, the game is not over. <laughs> uh, and, and I think, you know, and, and obviously this is, this is a different this, we're not talking about the Javon Quinterly thing. Like that's obvious a situation where he graduated and he's gone into the portal very recently, but I'm talking about just overall uh, having a guy like Rick Stansberry and, and obviously someone like Penny Hardaway on your staff, you're, they're never out of it. They simply are never out of it. And so everybody who was, you know, just sort of like panicking back in like what early May, and yeah, something like, like that. Really, yeah, because that's when the deadline was, right? May 11th, I think it was. Um, the uh, the the undergrad transfer portal deadline. Like, you know, you gotta you gotta moving forward unless there are changes that are made um, to rules and and regulations and and you know uh, deadline adjustments, whatever, whatever. Like, you gotta get that part out of your out of your mind. I mean, Penny's done a good job, a good enough job. The first you know, the last three years of, of proving that he's never out of it. But but here we are again. Memphis, whether they get Javon Quinterly or not, don't discount anybody who's who's already, uh, you know, seemingly... Until fall practice starts, they could be adding guys, is what you're saying. Correct. Yeah. That is correct. I'm, I'm like, or like till, past... till school starts. Till school starts. Well, last year was that, even like, after it. Yeah, but he was on yeah. campus by then. He was a committed by the time school started. Because you had, remember, we we had this with Amani. I think you had to enroll by like the end of the first week of classes. That's the rule at Memphis right. to be enrolled. You got to be in by the end of the first week. Right. There's like a drop deadline or something like that uh, for adding add drop deadline or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, like I mean, you know, there's there's I think what Jeffrey's talking about is like if a if a, if a uh, 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 if a transfer is uh, as soon as the transfer goes into his first class physically, uh, like whatever day it is, then it's over. You can't like that, that, that person is off the board at that point. So, mm-hmm. um, it's up until then that, uh, that, that the, that the, the game is still ongoing. Um, and you know, uh, there've been some people like, uh, Jeff Goodman, I saw and some other people over the weekend who are alluding to the fact that like, you know, there's going to be more guys, more yeah. than likely. There's going to be more guys like Javon Quinterly who, um, and, and frankly, like Chandler Lawson. We saw what last week. He uh, just all the, the sudden, grad transfer. It's uh, like grad guys, grad transfers. Exactly. Right now, there is a limit on, on you know, people who haven't graduated. There is actually a deadline of when um, of when they can, or excuse me, I shouldn't say, there's a deadline of when they can go into the portal. For grad transfers right now, there is no deadline whatsoever. 
I'm curious what you – this is for both of you. I'm curious what you think. Jeff Goodman also tweeted last night, clearly from a coach's perspective, this is frustrating. You know, like this is not being able to have a – you know, know, Nate Oates thought he had Javon Quinterly till end of June. And as Jeff Goodman's alluding to, you know, these teams could go on foreign tours. A guy doesn't get the playing time he wants on the foreign tour, and he ends up transferring after that. And the – he he basically said they need to put in a strict deadline for everyone. Ultimately, uh, what do you think about that? Or do you think this is should, you know if you graduated you should be able to you know you should be able to transfer freely? That's kind of been what it's been for the last what decade or so. What do you think, Munz? I don't know. Like it's it's, it's I can see both sides of it. I I, I per, like me personally. I think the way to, I think there needs to be some sort of structure. And like we can sit here, and you know, the, there's all the, there's all these people who are talking like, well, a coach can leave at any time, and a coach is getting paid millions and millions and millions of dollars to deal with these sorts of things. But at the same time, it cannot just be bedlam, you know. Like it, it and and I do know that obviously I recognize that there are some regulations, there are some deadlines, there are some, um, you know, there is some structure. But it does feel like, I mean, like, who who wouldn't be pulling their hair out, you know, uh, faced with when, 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 you know, you've got a guy, for instance, Javon Quinterly, posted uh, a slick um, graphic on his social media page, what, I think June 2nd or June 3rd, somewhere around there, in, in big, bold letters, said, I'm back talking about he was going back to Alabama. And then three weeks later, he's gone, um, and he can do it because he's graduated now. Uh, you know, I don't know. It just it – just, it, it feels like there's got to – we got to get some semblance of uh, order. I guess the way that I feel about it, and I'm curious to know if you all think I'm just being too cynical, the way that I feel about it is that's fine. You can put in, you can put in stricter guidelines – there's going to be someone that challenges it, and as soon as somebody yeah. challenges it, usually if there's, any, if there's any public pressure, they end up relenting. And so to me, it almost just feels like, sure, you can put in guidelines. The problem is right now the NCAA doesn't have a lot of teeth, and they don't really have a stomach for fighting this. So it becomes in practice the same thing. That's a good point. Um, but, you know, where does it end? Like are we going to get to the point where you're essentially – you know, I mean, I know that people can leave mid-season. Um, you know, you can certainly withdraw or whatever. You but you know, have to sit out a year. You got, you can't come back for another year. Exactly, but I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, are, are we? Where does it stop? Like, are we going to get to the point where you can? You know, if there's any pressure, as Jeffrey was saying, if there's any pressure on the NCAA and, the, and this toothless yeah. organization, like, are we going to get to the point where you can? Where you can drop drop out at Christmas and go play, start playing. Here's what I would say: I would set a deadline, but it wouldn't be. I, I don't think we've reached like that late in the calendar in my mind. Like I agree. these college I agree. coaches can complain all they want. Like June twenty. Like I get it. maybe if we set it at like September first, just so you knew. Okay, I got to get my roster in place by September or August first. If we agreed on that, you know, like okay, if I want to schedule there August fifteenth, like after the foreign trips, if you will. Like right. I could get with that, but like June twenty sixth doesn't feel too late to me. No, no, and I agree with that one hundred percent. Like, it, we're, yeah, we're not even we're not even, what, what are we less than three months since the uh, since the final four? Like, it's we're not that deep into yeah. the off season just yet. I mean, so um, so yeah. I mean, but I don't, if, I don't if the coaches the want a date, I'd give them a date. It just wouldn't probably be as early as they want it to be. Right. I yeah, think I don't know. I just feel like it's all the, it's all part of the same problem. Like, okay, let's look at how this originally started. This originally started from the concept that coaches can leave at any given moment. Mm-hmm. Therefore, players should be given the right to leave once. Mm-hmm. Everyone, I think, in general said, that seems pretty reasonable. You know what I mean? Like, I, there wasn't a ton of pushback, but then it essentially became exactly what it is. It's like, well, it's a system then – for someone to challenge, and now the NCAA doesn't want to really – they don't want to do anything that's considered anti-player, and so that it gets yep. out of sorts. And the reason why I'm saying, like, you can put in these dates. Someone's eventually going to challenge it, and it's just going to wind up getting back to the exact same place that it is. Yeah, I mean, 
Uh, you're probably right. Um, They'll find and, a way to push the limits. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, uh, it go, is. Go, go get you some mental health. Like, get, get a doctor to write off on it. It's like, okay, like. Well, in the grander scheme from Memphis's perspective, I, I do wonder this. I do think this is a big picture question that I don't know necessarily the answer to and maybe won't know it until we see how this season plays out. But is the way this has gone the last two years where it feels like, or maybe even last three years, where it feels like progressively, and I think based on just the climate in college basketball, Penny Hardaway has returned fewer and fewer players. You know, like it wasn't this dramatic last year. They had like five or six guys back um, last year. And this year they're going to have one or two, maybe three, if Malcolm Dandridge comes back. Um, Is that a sustainable way not necessarily to 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 be a good team in the AAC because I do think it is sustained. You know, like I think Penny can keep doing this and be, you know, be the best team potentially in the AAC every year. But to like be what Penny says he wants this to be, right? Like a true, uh, ultimately like a perennial top twenty-five team. Like, can he do it this way? Is that you know, like, do you have? I, I don't know. I don't think we know the answer. I'm just. I think it is an existential question. That kind of lingers around all of this, you know. When you, if you have to replace this many guys through the portal each year, can you have a, you know, the type of program that, you know, you've dreamed of? That that, that ultimately the goal is here, like you know, making it to the second weekend of the tournament, and you know, potentially, you know, once a generation going to the Final Four, you know, like things like the what what Memphis basketball fans of the past thirty years prior to this this. General, you know the the gap with the end of the Pastner era, the Tubby Smith era, and the beginning of the Penny Hardaway era. Like, can you be what you want? Ultimately, want to be building a basketball this team this way? I think it's something that everyone, ha- you know, that needs to probably be answered this season. <laughs> you know, I don't think you want to continue down this if like this season doesn't go well. I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, mm. like my my thing is like you just you got to get the hang of it. You know, like it's still so new. Um, this yeah. ability to to tear down and build it back up, and I mean, I think once you know the first time you, uh, like once you once you hit. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.